Maddie Math here with a very quick intro to say that moments after we recorded, really moments, the owners unanimously voted to proceed with March agreement and ask players to report July 1st. Stay tuned for more news. Hi, and welcome to episode 140 of No Crying in Baseball, the Hold It Out for a Hero episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, Patty. How's it going? You know, it's okay. A lot is happening in the world again, and we're going to rant a little today, I think, and we're going to scratch our heads a little today, and life goes on. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how much we have to talk about without baseball actually happening. It's like all this stuff. Well, I uh, shit, I can't believe I said it like that. I am hugely apologizing to everybody following Asian baseball. Baseball is happening. I meant without MLB happening. And I always correct other people for saying that. So my deepest apologies on that for sure. Wow. We're starting out with an apology. Just wait. Oh, shit. It's only going <laughs> to get, get worse. <laughs> all right. Well, my, I'll tell you about my favorite part of the weekend then that made me smile is that our friend Jose Canseco, go back to past episodes to read about our uh, feelings about him, did not disappoint for Father's Day. He wished a happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there, except for you know who that MF. And we know that that means A-Rod and motherfucker, of course. I'm glad you spelled that out for those yeah. who couldn't get it from the initials. I appreciate <laughs> that. There goes that E-rating all over again. Well, you're going to hear some F-bombs today because on today's show, Addison frickin' Russell goes to the KBO and gives us yet another opportunity to rant. Um, after all that negotiating, we're back to the March agreement for a 2020 MLB season. There was a COVID-19 outbreak in the world of Major League Baseball. Who did not see that coming? More on Black Lives Matter in the baseball world. Some international baseball updates. And then we've got boyfriend and also never going to be a boyfriend news. I can't believe we have to talk about Addison fucking Russell again. Really? I can't believe it. Um the last we heard was when we thought we weren't going to have to talk about him because no teams in MLB were picking him up after his suspension for uh, domestic violence. Right? right. Yeah, he played. Uh, the, the Cubs had him back for a little while because the Cubs, they felt responsible for kind of like helping him come back and getting the help he needed and all that. And then he did terribly. Mm -hmm. And Cubs fans were not excited about that. And then he was DFA'd, right? He was, yeah. yeah. And then there was nothing happening until this past week. So he's going to Korea to the Kiwoom Heroes. And there's just so much to say about this. It's almost uh, difficult to know where to start. I mean, I guess the basics first is that he's going there for one year. The Heroes needed some hitting. That's what they have him for, not for his defense. He didn't. They didn't really need an infielder. And they were actually looking for Yasiel Puig, and they approached him first. But he was not interested. He thinks he's going to be picked up by an MLB team. Whereas, I guess, Addison fucking Russell pretty much knows that he's not going to be picked up by an MLB team. Writing on the wall, buddy. He can read it. Yeah. So there wasn't a lot of talk about the issue that we are concerned about, which is the fact with how can you be hiring an abuser, you know, an, a non-repentant abuser, somebody who is not done anything, as far as we can tell, 
has not gone far enough to atone for. And I don't know how you do. I mean, the the letter or the blog post, right, that his um, wife had put out there that really detailed years of emotional and physical abuse. And for anybody to read that and be able to write anything about him without mentioning the content of that blog post is just baffling to me. But men seem to be doing it everywhere and not realizing that's an issue. And I I mean, I feel bad because I know a lot of them are, are reporting in their best interest. Our friend who we interviewed a few weeks ago, Jiho Yu, uh, put out some articles about Russell. And in one article mentioned um, the reason for suspension and that he had gotten a 40-game suspension, but that was kind of about it. And then there was another article where it focused more on the issue and interviewed the heroes and reported what they said, which is, you know, what the reporter is saying, that I'm just reporting what the team said. But the problem is all the team is saying is stuff to make itself look good, right? I mean, if they're telling you their story about why they're taking this player, they're just trying to come out in their own best light. So they said stuff like, well, he only got 40, could have been 80, Right. It, it wasn't as serious as people had thought is kind of what they were implying. Um, Scott Boris came to his defense and said that he was suspended for a text message rather than physical abuse. So I guess and I didn't even realize that, that that's what came down as the reason for the suspension was a text message. I mean, talk about dropping a lot of charges or whatever it is, evidence. Does he mean a text message or does he mean the blog post by the wife? I mean, I, I don't know wonder. what he means by that. But also, right. really, the guy's agent is your other credible witness? Yeah. For so information? The team, the team that's hiring him and his agent are the sources of information. And I feel like it is unjust to be just telling that side of the story, to not mention the 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 sexual assault issue from the woman's perspective at all. You know, just this is how it affected him and this is his career and he's moving forward right so i looked at several other reports about addison freaking russell being signed by the kbo um the ap's release that got picked up by a lot of places had in the first sentence you know he played you know another season after having been suspended 40 games for a violation of major league baseball's domestic violence policies they put that up front at least Mm -hmm. And a lot of some some news organizations stopped there. Others, like Yahoo Sports, talked about it some more. They said in a blog post, his wife said these things. I mean, they they, they provided oh, wow. more, and, and and several places did that, but a lot of them just didn't mention her at all. And they just said, "Yep, he was suspended for this. He also didn't play very well. They signed him." Moving on. Or he was suspended. He says he's sorry. Moving on. Promises to do better. Moving on. But so there is there was kind of a mixed bag here in this country where we've talked it to death already. So it is fascinating to see, okay, here's a new place that may not be familiar with this. And what kind of information are you getting? And it looks like very little. Yeah. And well, and the GM, I mean, they're they're, you know, explaining their decision. The GM 
said if he had engaged in physical abuse, he would have been banned for 80 games, but he served only 40. So this is basically, so this is that back to that whole thing about she didn't press charges, right? Or he wasn't convicted. So how bad can therefore, right. Right. And who has the PR and who has the power? And now you can really see how they really get away with it, because as soon as it's swept under that rug, then they go on with their career. I mean, how many people point out Aroldis Chapman these days, you know, or Miguel Sano or the people who have not shown, I would say, any repentance, retribute, you know, whatever, making up for. Right. Yeah. So. I saw the question go by a lot on Twitter about this. Like, well, shouldn't he ever work again? Is what can he ever come back yeah. from this? Like, where where can he get a job? I mean, come on, you know, he's got to be able to do something. This is his this is his job. Why can't he do his job? And I think it's a fair question to ask, but it also needs to be answered. And I think you were pretty clear about that off the top when you said, but he hasn't done anything to redeem himself. He's Mm -hmm. shown no actual contrition. He's made no moves that we can see. That means he's changing. So if he's just that guy who has a throwaway apology, no, I don't want him working in baseball. If Mm -hmm. he is honestly getting help, if he's making moves to change how he is, if he's sincere, okay, I'm willing to, you know, it's not for me to forgive, it's for his wife to forgive, but I'm willing to make allowances that people can grow and change. But have we seen that? Yeah. Well, and that was another point that I made on Twitter was if you are going to report that he apologized, you should be reporting on what he's done since that apology. You're Mm. reporting that he apologized over a year ago and you're going to leave it at that. He said he's sorry. And I'm not going to say, you know, and so then the reader would infer that, yeah, they're, oh, they apologize. They must be better then. But there's no evidence. There's no reporting on that. The other um, unreported part of this is it seems like the team that got him, the Kiwoom heroes, have a history of sleaze and that they exceptionally, way more than other teams in the KBO have been accused of wrongdoings. And I want to give a shout out to Dreads Rock on Twitter, who totally helped me out with this and actually gave me so many articles that I couldn't adequately summarize them. There were so many little things here and there that I, and some of them were, had been written in Korean and then Google translated and that made it really hard to understand. But there were two big ones that I did understand. One was that their CEO, Lee Chang-suk, was in, probably still is in jail for embezzlement. He had a three and a half year sentence, but that's not the bad part. (laughs) The bad part is when he got that sentence, he was also banned from baseball related activities for life. But there was evidence that he was still sort of running things from jail including contact with one of the managers, advising on a draft round pick. And he's still the largest stakeholder. So they send him to jail. He gets banned from baseball activities, but he's allowed to keep his majority stake in the team. Does that make any sense? (laughs) Not in any way, shape or form, actually. Yeah. And so there was a quote by somebody. I wish I'd written this down because they said, well, like he's a majority stakeholder. How much can we really expect him to stay out of business? And it's like, but wait, but he's in he's jail. A, he's for a convicted having- criminal. You should be able to expect him <laughs> to stay out of business. 
Yep, one would think. And then the other one that's a little bit closer to home with the Addison Russell issue is that two of their players were accused of uh, sexual assault. Um, and it was in 2009. Uh, actually, it was in the 18 season. And the the case went to court in February 19. And they did not get convicted. Um, they said there was insufficient evidence. But you know, it's another one, like all these other stories, you have to think twice. You just have to think twice because we've seen so many instances where we've seen so much evidence and the guy manages to get off with the good lawyers and the good pre-R and the I believe her hashtag. You just have to err in that direction, I feel. Um, so it was uh, their star closer who they could not afford to lose and the catcher that worked with him. And they ended up with 80 hours of community service for, quote, damaging the dignity of the league. So they were innocent of sexual assault, but whatever they did was enough to damage the dignity of the league, which I guess they're talking about being drunk with the girl. I don't Yeah. Well, I think, you know, even being accused, besmirched. I, want to, I just wanted to say besmirched, besmirched the reputation of the league. That is my guess there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, it's so it's 80 hours for besmirchment. Yeah. They, well, they missed the rest of the season. So they were accused mid season and they didn't play for the rest. And then they get 80 hours. And and so this just coincidentally happens to be the same team. So I find this really fascinating. And I'm super grateful to Dreads Rock for having posted something that alluded to it. And then I asked him about it. And he was super helpful with getting information. But I would love to read an article about the history of the heroes and all of these many instances, but it's not like all in one place, especially connected to Addison Russell signing. Hold, please. There will be more. I'm sure there will be more. Hey, we just had Father's Day, so I want to give a shout out to my father-in-law who had a conversation with my kid on Father's Day, and they talked about labor in Major League Baseball which I'm very excited about. And apparently he told the kid that he's been learning a lot about labor negotiations and MLB from listening to No Crying in Baseball. So potty mouth, the pressure's on. Uh-oh. Don I've Roberts already, is listening. I, I'm really sorry, Don. I know I've sworn a few times by now, to say the least. I, but I, happy Father's Day, belatedly. <laughs> I so hope it was good. We actually have big news. We have big news today, shortly before we started recording. We're recording on Monday. The um, MLBPA, the Players Union, voted to turn down Major League Baseball's final proposal. Yep, they've been turning things down right and left, but this one is the real one. This one is the one that's going to stick. There was a vote of 33 to 5 against the 60-game proposal, which was the last thing that was heard from MLB. So the 38 people who voted are 30 player reps plus the eight-member executive board, in case you're wondering who those 38 people are. One from every team plus the eight-member executive board. So what does this mean? They turned down this proposal. That means they're back to the March agreement. Remember way back in March when they negotiated salaries and said, we are willing to, you know, we understand the financial hardships presented by the global pandemic, so we will take a prorated salary that will pay us per game. That's where we are again. So if we're back to this agreement, Rob Manfred has to set a schedule and the players will get the full prorated salary per game. They're not going to get their full salaries. Let me make that clear. They have negotiated a pay decrease way back in March. That's the one they're going with. So will be paid per game. 
because they turned down the proposal, the union retains the right to file grievances. And I bet they will, because here's what the, th- the grievance is going to be. As we mentioned last week and the week before, the Major League Baseball has been negotiating in bad faith. And the union can say, you were to try to get as many games in as possible. You were trying to make this work so that we got paid per game for a lot of games. We started early so we could play a lot of games and that didn't happen. Bad faith. So there's going to be, there's going to be legal action. The statement that came from the union this afternoon says in part, the full board reaffirmed the player's eagerness to return to work as soon and as safely as possible. We anticipate finalizing a com- comprehensive set of health and safety protocols with Major League Baseball and await word from the league on the resumption of spring training camps and a proposed 2020 schedule. The players remain firmly committed to proceeding under our current agreement and getting back on the field for the fans, for the game, and for each other. This is like their tell us where and when we're ready campaign they had going for the past week, right? They're ready to go. They just want to make sure the health protocols are in place. All right, back up for a minute. How do we get here? Last week, uh, Rob Manfred and Tony Clark, so the commissioner of baseball and the um, the president of the Players Union met on Tuesday. When they left that meeting on Tuesday, they had a framework from which to move ahead. Rob implied that there was an agreement, but nothing was signed. That got shot down very quickly. So it was very hopeful for about a hot second. And then that all went away. On Friday, Major League Baseball said it was not going to respond to the union's proposal for 70 games. So notice it's taking days and days and days, which means the clock is ticking, which means there's not room for games, right? So on the table today for the vote was take the 60-game proposal from MLB for the full prorated salary and the expanded playoffs for this year and next year, and we're signing away our opportunity to, to file grievances. Or what they ended up doing, rejecting that, forcing MLB's hand, saying, hey, we're ready to play, make, make it happen, but also retain that right to file grievances and also no expanded playoffs. None of that funny business is going to happen. Now, so the, right before, so the last time I looked at Twitter, which was mm-hmm. like an hour ago, Bob Nightingale tweeted that R- Rob Manford has no plans to implement a season tonight or even tomorrow. So more taking away of time is what that is. Okay. Right. So the way this was set up was they've got like 66 days to fit in 60 games. And if those start ticking away, we're going to be down to 50 games or 48 games, which which A, is going to be way too few games to be a real season and B, cause the players to not make any of that money. And they were willing to work for that money. They're not saying give us money for free. They're saying we want to play more games. And MLB is dragging their feet and dragging it out. And there's going to be less and less time to play games. The, the other possible influencing what happens uh, between the time we record and the time you listen, dear listeners, is that Manfred's supposed to be talking to the owners tonight, giving them a call. Oh, sure. So there's, I mean, there's some owners who are fucking this whole thing up, basically, is what it's come down to. Oh, absolutely. Like. Absolutely. It's it's all, it's all on the owners, frankly. It is yeah. all on the owners. So we're going to talk in a minute about this COVID outbreak in Major League Baseball. So that happened on Friday. The union was going to vote on Saturday initially and said, wait, 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 there's this outbreak. We need to get more information about testing and anything before we vote. So then they got back on Sunday. They were ready to vote again. But then Rob Manfred sent a letter, email, 
phone call, some various forms of communication to answer a couple of questions they have. Like, what if the season has to shut down before the agreed upon number of games happen? Like, what if we say we're going to play 60 games? We all agree on that. And then this outbreak causes us to play 20 games or 30 games. What happened? So Manfred said the concession would be we would cancel the agreement that we've made for next year, the 2021 part, like right. no expanded playoffs next year, no universal DH next year, if the whole season that we agree upon is not played. And that pushes, and all of this would, this new outbreak kind of pushed the season start back another week to the end of July instead of the middle of July. So further squishing this number. So they're going to play very few games that they play at all. In the meantime, the independent leagues are starting up. The Atlantic League, which is the one that's local to us, is starting wow. up. They're planning a 70-game season starting mid-July through mid-September. Um, the Blue Crabs, which are the closest team there, the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs, are going to play to uh, a ballpark with 25% capacity. There is an independent league in Michigan that's starting up as long as the state approves their plan. So there's going to be some baseball that one can get to around the country, but I still don't know if it's going to be Major League Baseball. So back to that COVID-19 shutdown, right? So on Friday, on Friday, um, MLB shut down all the minor league camps. So we, got, we need a deep cleaning of the Florida and Arizona camps. These these camps were open for rehab pur- purposes. They were re- open for like socially distant workouts. Uh, after this cleaning happens, the players and staff who want to go back to those facilities have to be tested and you know found you know negative before they can go back into the facilities. Right. Yeah. So the big question is, why didn't they do this before? Like that's that's like the mind blower. Like, wait, didn't they do this? Yes. But they aren't the only ones involved because they're not in a bubble. Right. Right. And they are, in fact, in Florida and Arizona where cases <laughs> right. are spiking. So these players who are behaving properly and following protocols in this facility, which is being cleaned and managed and all of these things are being done in there, then leave. Is there a right. restaurant? Is there a bar? Are you on the street? I mean, the, those states are hotbeds of coronavirus right now. So it's not a bubble. Right. It is not a bubble. So as of today, a total of 40 players and staff in Major League Baseball have tested positive. Right. That's just as of today. Um, The plan was for teams to have spring training in their own park so that they wouldn't be using those facilities eventually anyway. But the same the same problem exists. A lot of those parks are in places that have opened up. And therefore, people are out in the world where there are people out in the world not wearing masks and spitting on them and breathing on them and, you know, serving them food and getting too close together. Right. So this kind of so there's a rumor that MLB is going to talk about a bubble again, this time, maybe a Southern California bubble, because remember the original bubbles were Florida and Arizona, (laughs) which makes no sense. No bubbles there. But maybe Southern California. I don't know. I still don't think that's going to happen. This got kicked off when the Phillies said. We have five players and three staff that tested positive. That was eight out of the 16 tests they did. Half the tests they had performed came back positive. They were at the time were waiting on 32 more test results, including 20 players. They implemented contact tracing immediately. So they're going to see how widespread this is. Um, And then they closed their clear water facilities until they get the all clear. Um, The Giants had one person who'd been to the facility tested positive and one member of their family. And that was enough for them to say, we're done. Nobody has tested positive, but we want to expand the testing protocol before we move forward. That same day, the Blue Jays had a pitcher test positive um, and other players at their facility said, we haven't even been tested yet. 
they closed down. And then at that point, with those three closing down, MLB said, we're done. Um, Astros and Angels have had players test positive. Um, a Nats minor league player in the Dominican Republic has tested positive. Um, they haven't opened any spring training facilities. So that's different. So the Nats are different than the other teams that we mentioned there because that wasn't the case. But this gives one pause, right? Because you think you're doing everything right in the facility, but you can't control the rest of the world. And that feeds right back into making any sort of deal to have baseball this year, to have MLB baseball this year. Fuck, I did it again. To have MLB baseball this year is totally dependent on this stuff getting under control. And we are not Taiwan. We are not. We did not learn from example. We have not yet earned baseball. No. Nope. In the meantime, players are speaking out still, and I love it. Black Lives Matter is still in the news. It should be. It will remain to be, and it remains to be important in baseball. So we have to uh, we have to mention it. Uh, Preston Wilson, uh, who I did not realize is M- Mookie Wilson's son, and and it's I knew. Preston Wilson played for a bunch of teams in the early 2000s, including a year with the Nats, I believe. Um, But his dad, Mookie Wilson, was in the Mets 1986 team that defeated the Boston Red Sox. That year of my life. And yeah, I throw that in whenever I can. But Preston Wilson's been very active on Twitter and, and just very outspoken in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. And so MLB uh, wrote an article about him. And interestingly, he he pointed out how when these things happen that they never ask white players to weigh in. It's sort of like, you know, there's this movement happening. Hey, African-American players, explain to us what's going on, which isn't their responsibility. And, you know, part of the thing is encouraging the white players to speak up because it's really easy to not say anything, to feel like you're being supportive. But if you're not actively supportive because it doesn't directly affect your everyday life, then it's not helping the cause and you're not being, well, you know, it's any member of society. It's just not being a good teammate. It's being a good person because, you know, we, we really owe, owe some time to work toward a change at this point. So he acknowledged a bunch of white players who spoke out, including Alex Bregman, who retweeted the article with a big supportive sign. And also Clayton Kershaw had a recent article about him. He, he made a really thoughtful, long statement on Twitter, on his social media, and it was very purposeful. And he said that his he spoke with his Black team, teammates and his Black coaches, and they basically told me, and this is a quote, your silence is speaking volumes right now. That really hit me. And so then he said, I'm committed to taking a stand and affecting change, starting with myself. And we talked this, about this a lot last week, about that owning that we all need to do something, you know, that you don't have to be defensive and say, wait, but I'm not racist or what you, you, everybody has something to do at this point because there is injustice. It is rampant and we need to, we need to fix it. Um, Last week you talked about Theo Epstein from. Right. For the Cubs. Yeah. So Theo Epstein was one of the people who sort of organized the, um, the baseball operations executives in advance of the major league draft to have a unified campaign about Black Lives Matter, raising money, making change, looking internally, what can they do? 
So it's really cool when we can say one week that somebody's put an intention out there to do something positive, and then the next week we can come back and say, whoa, look at the steps that this person made. So Theo Epstein realized that he had to do something for Juneteenth, which just passed, and invited Jesse Jackson to have a conversation with the team employees. So he's making proactive steps to get some change within the organization right away. So that's just a super hopeful sign when you see that happening. The last um, example, and there are so many, I'm definitely not doing this topic justice. So apologies for all the stuff that I'm missing, but I'll try to put in some links. The Players Alliance. So last week we talked about the Players Coalition that was making a statement. And this is a different alliance of players. The Players Alliance are planning weekly calls to action on social media. So the concept is like, we're all behind this action. We're going to put it out there. We want people to do this. And they had a really cool intro video where they each gave a little couple couple moments um, speaking about Black Lives Matter. Um, but their thing that they're getting behind this week is a petition for Juneteenth to be a national holiday. So that's something that anybody who is listening and fans of these people should be signing on to. I will definitely include that link. And we got to talk about our baseball boyfriends, the guys that in normal times we choose because they're just that little bit of special on and off the field. A bunch of them have signed on, including my almost forever boyfriend, Pookie, Mookie Betts, who I miss dearly. And your Red Sox guy, JBJ, Jackie Bradley Jr., Nico Goodrum, D. Gordon, Jason Hayward, Aaron Judge, Tommy Pham, those are all yours, all guys that you had picked. You win again for the second week in a row. Um, George Springer was yours too. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah. So you've got pretty much a clear swipe. I bookended you with Pookie and Adam Jones. I won. I, I mean, I lost. You won two weeks in a row. Yeah, but you have Adam Jones. That's a win for sure. Yeah. And he's actually playing baseball now. Yeah, he is in Japan. Yeah, he's, he's playing baseball in Japan. The, you know what else? Like my happy, happy moment this week was seeing the video with Gerard, Gerardo Para in Japan with them oh, yeah. doing the baby shark thing. And I just thought, oh, my God, you know, if I can't be doing it, I'm just so glad that it's happening. And it's kind <laughs> of cool that he like if he were here, it wouldn't be happening. And he's there and it's happening. So baseball is happening in Japan. I haven't figured out how to watch it yet. So I don't have any information about it at the moment. But in the CPBL, the uh, Taiwanese Baseball League, the Unilions are my team. And super shout out to the Unilions International Twitter feed because they recognize baseball boyfriends. And I don't know who runs it. You but did whenever that. You made that happen, Potty Mouth. You, you I totally so did. Happy. They tag you every single time. <laughs> I'm so happy. Whenever, whenever Lin and Co, my baseball boyfriend, does something, which has been a lot lately, which I'm going to say in a minute, they hashtag him baseball boyfriend and tag us. So that's just adorable. And I am happy that Lin and Co has been doing so well. Both days this weekend, he hit two home runs in each game, Saturday Holy and Sunday. Yeah, that's amazing. Yes. So his his hashtag is AK77 because that, yeah, that's his number. It sounds pretty good. Uh -huh. And the Lions are moving on up. They are in third place. What? Wow. Check so it out. First time all season, I think the Lions aren't in the gutter. But it's all condensing. So the brothers are breathing down the monkey's necks. 
Monkeys are at 585, brothers 568, lions up to 435, and guardians are actually the guardians are not looking pretty these days at 415. But they're not even to the all well, what would be in this country an all-star break. And they don't get much soon break. Right. And they they actually announced all their makeup dates, their rain dates, Uh and they don't have much of a break at all at this point. And then, you know, half of those days are going to be washed out anyway. So I'm not, it's not really a break. But there's a half a season left. So I'm just saying, I mean, I know the monkeys are looking really good, but anything could happen. We could be down to a bottle in the end, battle in the end. We're always down to a bottle in the end. Oh, I do have a couple sips left, barely. All right, the last, uh, the KBO that that has not changed much, but they're earlier, so who knows? But the uh, Dinos, my team that are on top, are doing so well that they actually got an article on Five Thirty Eight, one of our favorite websites. I thought that was just impressive in and of itself that they're doing so well that Five Thirty Eight would analyze the team. It's not because there's no American baseball to report on. At all. Okay, well, it's because the dinos are so good. <laughs> yes. I'm sure I, I, of it, Potty Mouth. I'm I, sure of I it. I know that that's, that's definitely a factor, but they're sort of fascinatingly good. The stat that jumped out at me was their. they're Fascinatingly well, good. Yes. <laughs> shiny thing. Their, their, their <laughs> best player, who's a first baseman, Kang Jin Sung, his OPS, his crazy fucking OPS, 1.265, right? And apparently there are two other guys on the team who are over 1,000 or one point, whatever you call that number with OPS, 1.000. Like they're they're raking, but he's uh, second all time at this point anyway. Hopefully he'll hold on to it only to Eric Thames, who... Eric, Eric Thames. Thames. Yeah, I, I want to do that too. Eric Thames, yeah, who's a gnat and hopefully one day we'll get to play as a national. Yeah, that would yeah. be super nice but that he holds the KBO record. And he was on the dinos, which was one of the reasons why I picked the dinos. Or I think it was a happy coincidence that I found out afterwards. Actually, that's probably more like it. But they have good pitching too. Their star pitchers uh, ERA is 0.66. almost impossible. Yeah, and, and that's third right now as far as KBO standings. Wow, that's amazing. Hey, I want to talk some more about our boyfriends because past boyfriends have been doing some things. Some of that them would be super cool. Some things better than others. Um, we mentioned a few weeks ago that Nelson Cruz, my former boyfriend, was nominated for an ESPY award for the Muhammad Ali Sports Humanitarian of the Year, and he won that award. And the award is for uh, the, the the player who shows the most impact in their community while sharing the principles of confidence, conviction, dedication, and respect. His acceptance video was so touching. He was really, truly moved by this. He was in tears. And part of it was because it's another $100,000 in prize money that he can use to help people in his country who right now he's been providing food and medicine for in the wake of the pandemic. Um, He's just so dedicated to doing good and doing well. He said, I don't think we do it to be recognized. We do it because we feel it's the right thing to do. This is what our heart is telling us to do. That's a damn good boyfriend. I'm yeah, I was so proud. really moved. By, yeah, I'm impressed. You you totally win the boyfriend game tonight because his video was super moving. And he has a bunch of stuff in the DR, but he also has a project in Venezuela, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, for the so newborn. I don't, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because of a... A relationship or just seeing the need, but he's just an amazing guy. 
He is. Oh, and actually, we should mention too that the Dodgers, at a t- as a team, won. There was a there was a, an equivalent award at a team level oh, for, the, for the Dodgers wow. Foundation doing good work in their community as well. Oh, that is so cool. Well, uh, the Angels, we we had talked about being one of the teams not supporting their minors so well. Albert Pujols is stepping in, and I am very happy and proud to say that he was my Angels pick for a baseball boyfriend this year. And he is paying the players in the Dominican Republic who were furloughed by the angels for at least the next five months. And this, like I, we were talking about one of these last week and I can't remember who, but it was leaked, not announced. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like he's trying to let people know that he's doing this, but somebody yep. finds out and then it gets there. But this covers people like scouts, player development staff, minor league employees, and they're oh, so not rep- just players. It's, it's all the, the angel yeah. staff. Oh, wow. It's staff, it's employees, and especially folks who are running the Dominican Academy because wow. they majorly got cut. Yeah. So right now they're saying $180,000 estimate. I don't know. It sounds like a lot of people, but yay for Albert Pujols. My uh, negative comment, I guess, <laughs> right now is, I don't know. This is now I'm going to, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite and I'm already sounding very whiny, but fucking it, it, it really is heartbreaking when somebody who you super, super respect is accused of something like this. And David Ortiz, who isn't an official NCIB baseball boyfriend for me because our podcast wasn't around then, but he was definitely, you know, one of those before we had this show, Baseball Boyfriends. And a restraining order was just taken out against him by his ex-girlfriend, who's the, yeah? The, I the did mother. not know about this. I am, oh, this is my you're, shock you're gasping face. in shock. This yeah. is my shock face. Oh, sorry about that. Sorry, um, listeners, you're missing my shocked face. It's a good one. Yeah, I sh- shoot, I should have taken a picture. Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, his ex-girlfriend, but mother of his son, it took out a restraining order accusing psychological violence, which I've never heard that term before. Um, they haven't actually seen each other in over a year, but they have to communicate by phone, I guess, dealing with both him paying her money and giving her a place to live and with the son. Is he paying her money or paying her child support, which well, is a different connotation? Yeah. Um, I am not entirely sure because the, the – and I even went to the Dominican articles. And the closest that I could get for information about what was behind this is that she's living in a luxury apartment owned by him and he wants her to leave. Mm-hmm. And so the rest of it is all super fuzzy, depending on whose lawyer you listen to sure. and what you believe, right? So her lawyers are saying that he's abusing her psychologically, whatever he's saying to her. His lawyers are saying, of course, that she's getting media pressure against him because she doesn't want to move or whatever. They point to Ortiz's past work defending women's rights. He was involved in that whole no to violence against women movement that we talked about in the DR before. So I'm sitting here with like, okay, believe her, but this is also a hero. And what do I do with these emotions? And I honestly don't have enough information, right? But I know a lot of other people say that too. Well, you don't have enough information, but you're believing her. I don't know where to go with this. Where does his son live? Does he live with his mother or does he live with with, uh, Big Papi? So unclear. I that And that I should look up because I have seen lots of videos. And I don't know how many kids he has either. 
Mm -hmm. that if this is the same one, because I know that his son, there is a son living with him and he's training in baseball. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I've seen that. That's true. Yeah. Fascinating. So I don't know if that's the same one or not. So sorry, folks, I didn't do enough research on that part, but I will find out. I will look into it. Well, I did exactly the right amount of research for um, the never going to be a boyfriend bit about A-Rod. Oh, look, we we opened and we're closing with A-Rod. So you may know that oh, A-Rod. awful. It's, it's, an, it's, an A, it's an A-Rod sandwich is what we have going here. So, oh, God. A- oh, I waited till Potty Mouth was drinking. Did beer come out of your nose? Almost, that was my goal. Almost. So close. Or All I right. almost spilled it on my lap, which would have been much worse. So... So um, A-Rod and J-Lo have been trying to buy the Mets. We've talked about this before. Um, They needed a billionaire and they found one to help them buy the Mets. And the billionaire is the vitamin water guy who sold vitamin water to Coca-Cola for like $4 billion. This guy is, in fact, a billionaire. In addition to um, (laughs) one of the headlines I saw said, but he has success. He's successful with horses. What what I think they meant was he owns some horses who have been successful in, you know, horse racing. But the way it worded is like, oh, they're so, they're so good at being horses. But the thing that really spoke to me as a parent of a child who used to be a tiny little person is this billionaire is also the chairman of Pirate Booty. Oh, my God. Veggie Booty was our thing. Yeah, well, of course like- it was. That that was green styrofoam. <laughs> I, we like the fake cheese here at this house. Okay. For the longest time, and if my kid listened to our to our podcast, they'd be totally like freaked out by me saying this. That that was like the only thing that they could eat because it dissolves in your mouth, and they had like really bad reflux. That is so too like- much information right now. You need to stop. You need <laughs> okay. to stop. And let's go back to vitamin water. Successful horses and pirate booty might be an owner of the Mets. And it might be the podcast title. I would bet. I don't know. It could that. happen. It could happen. Hey, what are you going to do this week? Oh, I am going to watch more baseball, I think. I'm going to do more breakfast baseball. I'm enjoying the Lions coming back and want to see more AK-77 home runs. That sounds pretty good. I think I'm almost ready to go back to um, to breakfast baseball. I went actually back to the playoffs, which I would have been watching from last year and scoring to practice my my new oh, that's um, awesome. scorekeeping skills. And I, I had dropped that for a while and I'm back and it's super fun. Actually, the other thing that that our friend who I previously mentioned but now dropped my notes on the KBO uh, gave me is a way to watch more KBO games. And it's in Korean, but that's better than ESPN, right? And the one of the problems with KBO games on ESPN is you get the game. Like, there's only that one. But this way, we could actually watch the teams that we care about. So I will pass that information to you. Excellent. I love that. I love that. So I hope you're all finding some baseball to watch and learning some about labor negotiations in the world of baseball. And it applies to the rest of the world, too. And thinking critically about those news stories you're reading, because, you know, it matters. It matters, people. You should talk to us about these things on social media. Potty Mouth can help you out with this. Talk to us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast or Facebook and Instagram at No Crying in B-Ball. Or you can write us at NCIB Podcast at gmail.com. 